WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And welcome to the podcast where we explore pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from Anvil Studios in Denham, England in March of 1977, where the London Symphony Orchestra is about to record the score for Star Wars. Because today we're diving into the themes of the legendary John Williams. I, I like our podcast's theme song, but it's kind of, it's going to pale in comparison to all the John Williams <laughs> in this episode. That's sadly it's true. Okay. It's okay. It, I mean, what can compare to good old Johnny Williams? I have an all important question before we, before we, you know, dive, dive in. into yes. John Williams. Okay. <laughs> As I'm ready to say that diving like into a person. His music. that would hurt him. But Yeah. I have an all-important question for Especially you. Especially since he's, you know, getting aged. Yeah. Please, please don't run into John Williams, anybody. Please don't anybody? dive into yeah. John Williams. No. Um, yes, I have an all-important question for you today. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So this comes from our one of our patrons, Smap, but I've twisted it slightly from what she suggested. And I. Uh, so the question is, if we were pieces of John Williams' music, what would we be? But I want us to say it about the other person so i have to say what valerie would be if she were a piece of john williams music and she has to say what i would be as a piece of john williams music i've given this a lot of thought awesome but i want to hear yours first you want to hear mine first maybe is it better than my answer maybe i should go first (laughs) i'll go first because yours answer is probably better than mine so i don't know about that i'm going first (laughs) save the best for last i went with dream country from bfg because did you pick the same one i picked the same one well (laughs) actually i was gonna pick that one and then i slightly changed my answer Mm. um to a different song also from the bfg though (laughs) and really it's just there's no reason why i really changed they're very similar Mm -hmm. what's playing in the song that i picked which is overture and what's playing in dream country um so (laughs) casey (laughs) we're meant to be valerie (laughs) we're such nerds okay why why did you pick dream country for me (laughs) because (laughs) i always when i think about one of your one of my favorite qualities of yours is that you have a very calming presence and personality and this music is super calming but it's still a little bit magical just like you i love that that's a wonderful answer my answer uh, the reason i picked from the bfg for you is because a lot of the music has this very um it's got this constantly moving energetic quality to it and also the movie itself is about creativity and imagination and my favorite thing about you is how just you have all this creative energy that never seems to run out and you're always on the move creatively and so that's why i picked it why thank you (laughs) i like that so two bfg (laughs) answers here that's hilarious yeah and almost the same song (laughs) what are the odds casey he's written like thousands of songs at this point so many that's so funny yeah we picked from the same same album and the same song basically also interesting because neither of us i mean we weren't we didn't hate the movie but 
Yeah. It was just, the movie was just okay. Right. Um, so it wasn't our favorite movie, but the music's still really good. Right. Classic John Williams music. So today we're talking about John Williams. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about the life of John Williams before he sort of made it big. Um, and Valerie's going to share some trivia with us. Then we're going to discuss the themes of John Williams' music and not necessarily the, well, it is the musical themes. Theme in music has a different meaning often to theme and story, but we're kind of, we're going to kind of connect the two. So we'll get into that. But first, you want to learn about John Williams and his life? Always. So John was born in New York, Flushing, Queens, 1932. That was a long time ago. So long ago. Uh, his dad, his father. I know. I'm so you're thinking that my... My grandparents, who have passed away already, are, were only born like 10 years before him. So yeah, he's getting up there in years. Yeah, but he still seems to have some creative energy. His latest was The Rise of Skywalker, and I quite like the music in that. So I did too. I we'll mean, talk about that later, because yeah. I have one from there. Um, but he, So his dad was a percussionist, so music was in his family. It was part of his family's culture. And uh, they they moved in the late 1940s, and they moved to Los Angeles. And there he played he played like well he had played piano at an early age. He was in a jazz band. I think he was 15 when he decided he wanted to be a concert pianist. That was his life stream. And then he wrote his first sonata at age 19. So he was already as one does. He was already on the musical track from an early age and um, very uh, ambitious in that arena. In Los Angeles, he attended UCLA and another local college as well um, to sort of hone his skills. And And then in 1951, he was drafted into the Air Force and he played in the Air Force, like he was in the Air Force band. And it was in Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. So after the Air Force band, he was just there for a couple years and then he went, he went to Juilliard, which is a very prestigious school which is where your cousin is going right now I thought you're gonna say that's where you're going I know. <laughs> you and i are great lovers of music but we have zero musical talent i mean yeah, i can sing okay but i'm not right like we don't play instruments we are just great admirers of music yes this is true we're we don't know the all the ins and outs and the lingo so this is coming from a casual perspective yes from a m- movie watching perspective more so than a knowing all the the vernacular and the lexicon of music is a little bit over our heads. Yeah, I had to look up several terms. I'm like, what's the difference between a composer and an orchestrator? Are you going to tell us? A, sure, I did a lot of research. <laughs> Do you want to know what the second? <laughs> or uh, later? N- maybe later. Okay, yeah, yeah. keep going. Um, so yeah, he went but to... But now I'm thinking, why didn't we have like your cousin Catherine come on? Oh, man. We should have. We should have. We know professional... We know my professional is, musicians from your side of the family, Casey. We should have had somebody come on. My family is very musical, yes. Um, so yeah, he went to Juilliard and then he played in like jazz clubs to help pay tuition simultaneously. And But then he was encouraged by his mentors at Juilliard to go into composition. So that was at the point where his, his um, jazz band and, and piano playing kind of switched over to the composition realm. Uh, And then he went back to Hollywood and that's where he started playing. He started by playing piano for movies and TV. He played piano in South Pacific and in To Kill a Mockingbird. So next time you watch To Kill a Mockingbird, listen for that piano. piano. You'll know that's Johnny. Because back then he went by Johnny Williams. It was a very jazz thing to do. Um, (laughs) It does sound very jazz. So then he became an orchestrator. So here, do you want to tell us what an orchestrator is? Before he becomes a composer, what's the difference? What's the diff? So the orchestrator takes the music from the composer. So the, compu- the composer has written 
the music and the composer will have a an idea of you know I want violins for this part or you know what what instruments to use where but the orchestrator will take the actual work of writing the specific parts for each specific member of the orchestra so it's a little more sounds a little more nitty-gritty for example if there's three violin parts and they'll decide which violinist plays which piece and and that kind of stuff there's some other things but that was like the big difference he was an orchestrator for things like we talked about uh gidget gidget and then he eventually got into composing and he started in tv so he composed the theme for lost in space which is a great little theme Uh, he worked on gilligan's island um some western tv shows what was it uh paint your wagon i think he did i've heard of that but i've never seen it so then when he jumped from tv to films he kind of He was just doing comedies for a little bit, which now it's wild to think of him doing a straight comedy, but that's where he got started. And he did a few because that was what he was starting to get known for. But then the 70s came and that's when he really made it big. He did the adaptation for Fiddler on the Roof, the movie version. So it was a... I just found that out today. A play before, but yeah, he adapted it for the screen and won an Oscar. It was a musical before even. I believe so, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the music was there. So he did the... More of the orchest- orchestral oh, side of things, the, I believe. The, I think they call it the compilation of, or, you know. And so he won an Oscar for that. So for best adapted score. I don't even know if they do that as a category anymore. Like differentiate original score and adapted score. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. And then the 70s saw this big rise in disaster movies. So the early 70s, especially early to mid 70s. Uh, the biggest three were the, Poseid- the Poseidon Adventure and... Towering Inferno and Earthquake, which those are the three most popular. And Williams happened to score all three. And then... Interesting. So after like Towering Inferno and all those, he already caught the ear of Steven Spielberg. Spielberg actually had heard a score he did in 1969. So a few years before called The Reavers, which is it uses a lot of like folksy Americana harmonica type music. And Spielberg really liked that, and he wanted it for his first main film, which was The Sugarland Express. And if you listen to those two films, different directors, but the music does sound very similar. And so you can definitely see the influence there. And then after Sugarland Express, that's when came the big one, Jaws. And that sort of put him on the map even more. The big one? Yes, the big shark. And that's when he got his first Oscar for an original score. And it all went uphill for him from there. Not to say, I'm, I'm sure he worked hard and life wasn't easy breezy necessarily but in terms of his stardom that's where it really rose and it has continued he hasn't lost lost anything (laughs) there's definitely some scores that i don't think about much or even really listen to much but he can still do any type of music absolutely so after he did jaws that's when he recommended to uh, that's when spielberg recommended to george lucas hey looking for a composer for star wars use john williams a lot of people the studio people and whatnot thought George would go with more like disco music or synthesized type music because it was going to be sci-fi and some of the sci-fi was doing that, but he wanted to go for more of a classic romantic or orchestral type of score, which I'm sure he was a little bit inspired by 2001. Although 2001 has a lot of eeriness to it, whereas Star Wars is much more triumphant, but I, I can't imagine Star Wars with disco music. <laughs> no. In my opinion, there's like five people that are super important to why Star Wars succeeded in 1977 and John Williams is right up there at the top of the list. I don't think it would be timeless or have had the quality it did without that score. I think it changes it changes the movie, I think. I agree. I think it needs that really big orchestra sound to it. Yeah. It makes the whole movie feel more grand. For sure. Valerie, you've got some trivia for us. Just a few. 
First of all, awards. There's an entire Wikipedia page <laughs> dedicated to the awards that John Williams has been nominated for and won. So, quickly, we will say that he was nominated for 52 Academy Awards, winning five. He has been nominated for six Emmy Awards, winning three. Nominated for 25 Golden Globe Awards, winning four. Nominated for 71 Grammy Awards, winning 25. And has received seven British Academy Film Awards. That's a lot. So with 52 Oscar nominations, Williams holds the record for the most Oscar nominations for a living person. And is second only to Walt Disney with 59. Which I think he's I think he's pretty much retired at this point, right? I think he was saying Rise of Skywalker was going to be his last. Uh, his last Star Wars. His last Star Wars. I don't think. You think he'll still do more? Do more? Do we know how old he is? How old is he? Did you do the math? I believe he's eighty nine. Eighty nine. I mean, I hope I have the energy at ninety to compose more music, but you know, that's asking a lot of a ninety year old. Eighty eight. Yeah. Eighty eight. So maybe he'd need to get. Seven more to tie. To tie to Walt Disney. <laughs> that's not fair because I'm sure a lot of Walt Disney's I think, are. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Because he's like production he's credit and stuff. Stu- like Walt Disney Studios, basically, yeah. versus Walt Disney himself. Well, I don't think Walt Disney, after he died, I don't think they count for him anymore. Like, no. He has to be an actual producer. But. No, no. I, I definitely know that. But he had an entire team, which, if I've learned anything, John Williams also has a team. Yeah. He's not, I mean, he's very meticulous, it sounds like, and he does so much of his work on his own, but he has still used orchestrators and others, even for Star Wars and other films. So um, a couple of other fun facts, mostly Steven Spielberg related, because I think their friendship is just so cute, Casey. <laughs> They're so fun together. <laughs> we want to talk about Hollywood friendships. I really like theirs. I agree. Steven Spielberg, uh, he played the clarinet in high school. So in Jaws, when there's the the street band like performing in the little parade, mm-hmm. uh, Steven Spielberg got to play some clarinet. Oh wow! Because and uh, as Williams put it, he said that Spielberg added the right amateur quality to the piece. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't because he was really great; it was because they needed it to sound a little off. It's <laughs> fantastic. And when Steven Spielberg asked Williams to compose for Schindler's List, Williams told him that with such an important film, he should find a better composer than I. And Spielberg, and Spielberg, and Spielberg retorted, I know, but they're all dead. <laughs> so it's like, that's a great compliment. Like, yeah, there are better composers, but not currently living. Like, you are it, my friend. And then the last one that I thought was funny was when Williams won his Oscar for Jaws at the 1976 Academy Awards, he didn't have to walk very far because he was conducting the show from the orchestra pit. (laughs) So he was working that night and still got an award. That's amazing. I didn't know that. So Uh, there are some fun John Williams and Steven Spielberg facts. uh, John Williams is 5'11". I don't picture him as that tall. Hmm. That's pretty tall. I picture him as short. I think the average American male is 5'10", so... Okay, average. But I picture him as, like, shorter than average. I guess it's I haven't, I haven't really imagined his height, I guess. I had I do every no day. No thoughts either way. Like, I think about, if I met John Williams, would I be taller than him? Would he smell nice? <laughs> How's please, his handshake? All these please, things. Please don't smell John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant, like, um, you know, just naturally. I, I'm not going to sniff him. Just <laughs> would his natural musk smell nice? I... I don't think you'd be able to smell that unless you sniffed him. I don't think so. If he smells nice, I'd be able to smell it. 
I think most people are neither here nor there, unless they will wear a really strong cologne or perfume, which I don't like personally. So to me, a person you can't smell one way or the other is preferable. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> but so does I, he have I'm a nice saying, lack of smell? That's yeah, what I want to know. Yeah, these things I'm just curious about. If I met him, what would my experience be? Would you ask him about his uh, beard combing habits? I would. I definitely his would. His grooming, beard grooming um, tips? From John Williams? Yeah. That's what we really need to know. And his, like, does he tie his bow ties? Because I, I, I picture John Williams as always perpetually in a tuxedo. I think you and I have talked about this before. <laughs> we have. And, <laughs> I just remembered that. But I, in my head, he just wears a tuxedo all the time. And so I expect that he's really good at tying those bow ties. Or are they like a clip-on? That's a good question. That's what I would ask him. Are your bow ties Those, things, those three things. How are you so tall? I thought you were short. <laughs> How are you You smell so nice. Tall? How do you smell so nice? And yeah, how do you tie your bow tie? Oh, and how do you comb your beard? There's four. Yes. Four very important questions. And for do John you have Williams. like a tuxedo pajama version? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So there's my five questions. They're like silky tuxedo. Yeah. He probably also sleeps on a silk pillowcase because like they say for your hair, it's really good. But for him, it's his beard. He's trying not to muss his beard. So, so he's sleeping sleeps. face down into the pillow. <laughs> Even on your side. Your beard rubs. Come on, Casey. I have a beard. Yeah. Don't beard splain. Please. <laughs> Fair enough. But your cheek lays on the pillowcase, yes? He doesn't have to be face down. I've never felt like my beard gets itchy on the pillow. Not itchy. It's when you sleep on a silk pillowcase, you don't get like more, you get fewer tangles in your hair. and Fewer it keeps tangles your in your beard? Hair nicer, yeah. So fewer tangles in your beard. Okay. No beard hairs pushed in the wrong direction by morning. Just saying. Did you know he has, so he has three children. Yes. One of them was the lead singer of Toto. I did not know that. Rosanna, Rosanna. Do you know I just that know, song? I just know Africa. That's uh, Africa is a great song, but. I think that's their most popular one. That's the only one I know. You went away. Rosanna. Oh, I do know that one. <laughs> now she's gone. And I have to say So Generationally talented musicians in the Williams family Yeah Father, son, grandfather It could be generations before that We don't know Let's look up the genealogy of the Williams family tree Did they all have beards? Yes, even the women Did they invent tuxedos? They invented bow ties Anyways These so, are facts so <laughs> This is real trivia You guys have to guess at home Which trivia is real Which, which is did the fake. Winters family make up? <laughs> The Winters and Williams families are very f close. We yeah. know all the trivia. We're all very musical. So for all you know, we're related. Lies and more lies. Okay, Rosanna. <laughs> so we're talking about the themes of John Williams now. Yes. So we pitched each other ideas on, like, when you think of John Williams, what are some of the themes that come to mind? Meaning and we emotional made a list. themes yes. and ideas and concepts, those kinds of themes. Right. And so we made a list of our, kind of like when we did our... Emotions. Emotions, mm -hmm. yes, and which yeah. kind of evoked an emotion. So like that, but with John Williams songs. So here are the nine. If you have a pen and paper, you can write them down and be thinking of them as we go along, what you would pick. So the first one we have is a sense of adventure. Then we have awe, sadness, mischief, love, tension, peace or calmness, war, and flight. So Valerie. And we could have come up with more. Yeah, I'm, there's, there's so many more. And <laughs> You These could, are the ones that came to mind first. This is what so. pops to our mind when we think of John Williams' music, the feelings that we get. So, sense of adventure, Valerie. 
First one I went with was Hedwig's theme from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It just, and maybe it's because it's now tied so intrinsically to all the films in my mind. And so I just think of all the Harry Potter adventures they go on. But that theme is very... You can hear it in your head. I don't even need to play that one, (laughs) but I will. I'm very excited to listen back to this one because it's so much more fun to talk about the music and then like hear a clip. Yeah. And we'll make a playlist of all of these as well. So you can find the link down below. It's a great idea. I didn't think about that, but that is a fantastic idea. Hedwig's theme. That's literally the best idea. Anything else to say about Hedwig's Hedwig's theme? I mean, I could go on, but it's just so classically great. Yeah. It's like the most iconic sound, I think, connected to the Harry Potter franchise. Yes, 100%. Uh, My first one here is uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark theme, the Indiana Jones theme song. That just... Yes. Gets you energized. It just screams ready adventure. For adventure. Yeah. It's pure <laughs> dun, 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 adventure. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe we should just think, sing them and not include them. We did say we were musically inclined. That's a. <laughs> <Da, da, da. laughs> Share our talents here. You know what I think of? This is a weird tangent. So there was a in, in the NBA slam dunk contest one year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Dwight Howard. He, I think he put on a Superman cape and did some Superman slam dunk, right? And one of the announcers was trying to play the Superman song, like with his mouth, tried to sing the Superman theme song, but uh-huh. it just came out as Indiana Jones, <laughs> which is like, it, it's, it's fine. They're both yeah. John Williams. and But I just sometimes I just think about that. <laughs> it's like how when I listen to Ray's theme, which is another one I considered for you, actually. Ray's theme? I yes. love that. Um, that makes me so happy. Yes, it was up there. Um, it was my my top two choices. Um, but when I some parts of Ray's theme definitely remind me of Hedwig's theme. Yeah, like they're little similar. In there are notes that probably. are the same, Casey. <laughs> Involved, because yeah, you know. I'm I, sure there are. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> they share a few notes. <laughs> Doe a deer, a female. Deer. Uh, so my other one. Oh, wait, no, it's your turn. Sorry. The other one that I had was also Indiana Jones. Um, from the last crusade but the very like the opening song as is called indy's very first adventure oh yeah and there's a piece in the middle that i'm just gonna you're just gonna have to play it i'm pretty sure it's when he's running from the people in the cave yeah when he gets the treasure i can hear it in my head actually it's somewhere right around mm-hmm. there but yes it kind of builds and it just has mm-hmm. this man indy's on his first adventure that belongs in a museum okay my other one is ray's theme i like ray's theme because it doesn't necessarily feel adventurous by itself but i think it has a sense of adventure that's to come which totally fits her character and right gosh my one of my favorite moments visually and sonically in all of star wars is just the shot of um well she slides down the sand hill and then she rides the speeder across the the sand and the derelict star destroyer in the background and ray's theme is 
playing big and adventurous and ah. so much it makes me so happy i agree and it feels like she's on her own adventure or it feels like an adventure to us mm. her day-to-day might be the same but for us this is the beginning of a new star wars adventure yeah and it just feels all important the thing i love about john williams is because he has so there's this concept this is the only vocabulary concept i will bring up because it's the only one i know but there's this idea of of leitmotif Um, which is musically is when you connect a musical theme with a character or a concept or an emotion. And John Williams is the master of this, right? He has specific themes that he uses just for certain characters. Or like in Star Wars, you have the Force theme. and Star Wars in particular, you can hear it. Like you think, oh, Leia's theme, Yoda's theme, Luke's theme, Darth Vader's theme. Like they're all there. In fact, I was looking up some trivia on John Williams and some people have said that it's kind of hard to count the themes but they've said that Star Wars is of anything third most leitmotifs with the only one that has more is Lord of the Rings which I don't know if that's like I don't know when this statistic came out because maybe more Star Wars movies have come out since then and maybe it's surpassed it would Lord of the Rings the... um, and then a, yeah. uh, I think it was a Wagner opera of the only things that use more leitmotifs than john williams in star wars so he really is one of the masters of that but what i was the reason i bring that up is because i love that when we first hear ray's theme it does have this sense of coming adventure but he can use these themes with different instruments at different moments throughout the series and it brings a completely different emotion but still can connect you to that character so like um in the rise of skywalker they have the track the force is with you which is when ray's um starting to about to hear the voices of the jedis of the past and you got a little bit of Ray's theme there, but it's very different. It's um, maybe sad, but a little bit hopeful. I love, love, love when he does that, when he'll take a theme that we've already heard in its typical form and transform it just by the change of the pacing or the change of the instruments. I was actually going to bring that exact same thing up later with another song. Nice. So So sorry, I stole your thunder. No, we'll talk about I it again. I stole your force lightning. <laughs> Those are my two for a sense of adventure. Do you do you yes, have any let's honorable? Move on to okay. awe. A sense of awe. This one Awe, grandeur. This is one of the big ones because this is something that Spielberg is known for. And so of course, with I think there's all been only three or four, maybe five, a handful of Spielberg films that have not been composed by John Williams. And so this is such a major theme in Spielberg's work. He's known for that sense of awe and that even the, the very specific way he shoots awe, where he shows the characters experiencing something before he lets the audience see it. Um, he does that often through a lot of his movies. And so, of course, John Williams would find a way to tap into that, especially because they're so such good buddies. And buddy, so, buddy. Um, yeah, sense of awe. What do you what do you have first? The theme from Jurassic Park. You stole mine. I know, but That's you okay. have more to say about it, so you can go ahead. For me, the most potent use of awe in both, both musically and visually in the film is Jurassic Park. When they first pull up in the Jeeps and see the, the giant dinosaurs and they just have this sense of wonder on their faces and then um, we as the audience get to see it. There's Yeah, I was watching this clip today. There's 30 seconds of them looking off into the distance and first Grant sees it and then he 
he turns Ellie's head and she sees it. There's 30 seconds there of, of us not being able to even see the dinosaurs yet. We have no idea what they're seeing. And the music at that point, I've never really noticed it before right then, but it's very tense. There's a lot of tension there. And then it's kind of starting to build and starting to build. And then the second we see the dinosaur, it that tension, tension releases and it switches into the one of the two main Jurassic Park themes, the, the slightly more wondrous one. love that theme so much and i for me it's my easily my favorite piece of john williams music i don't know if i if i can say easily because that's hard <laughs> to say but um i just love the score to jurassic park so much and it's because of that sense of awe it m- makes the film that theme alone and then all the other music as well also from jurassic park hatching baby raptor that one has a really good sense about it they're very in wonder at this little raptor being born yeah cool i like that one because i think the music's a little more sm- like a little smaller a little more yes, intimate it's, well and it's quieter because mm-hmm. i've got the people talking and you know about the yeah. raptor being born and i think that moment kind of as they realize this is going to grow up to be a scary dinosaur the the music does have a sense of awe but it's um there's a little bit of fear in that exactly side note when john hammond says he wants to be there he insists on being there when each of the new dinosaurs is born mm-hmm. because the imprint on whoever first meets them. That never really comes back into play. I always kind of thought it would. Like later he'd face down with a raptor and they wouldn't eat him because they remember oh, him. Because he's their dad. Yeah, exactly. They've imprinted on him. <laughs> but it never really comes back uh, into play. You've read the book. Do they do that in the book or no? He does die. I Spoiler alert. John Hammond does die in the Jurassic that. Park book. I don't remember the context of his death though. It was a raptor who did it. it. The imprint didn't work. It probably was, honestly. I don't remember. <laughs> um, it's been a little while since I've read it. What's your next song? I chose The Spark from The Last Jedi, which is the moment when Luke is going through the burning, fiery gate on Crate and is going to face off the First Order. Because yes. um, you do get a bit, of, even though it's not Spielberg movie, you get a bit of a Spielberg moment where you see on the faces of the Resistance, them as they're watching Luke or Luke's apparition, going out onto the salty field and yeah there's just this sense of awe that up to that point has been building because everyone's been wanting luke to do something and here he is doing it he's being luke skywalker he's being the the jedi and um the the symbol that everyone needs him to be and i oh man i love that piece of music right there and it's i love it too because it's we never hear the music like that in any other point of star wars and it's just specifically to that moment it's not a theme that's recurring anywhere else and so it's just i love the specificity of it right there it's a good one another one i picked was buckbeak's flight from harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban and it is just this sense of 
awe as Harry Potter is flying on Buckbeak and he's seeing the Hogwarts grounds and the freedom that Harry always feels when when he's flying, but just kind of the, I don't know, companionship of him and Buckbeak and, and the sense of flight as well. Could have worked for flight, but I picked it for awe. I was going to say, I'm surprised you didn't pick that for flight. Could have. Now I'm curious what you did pick for flight and if we overlapped again, <laughs> which is a lot. Like, that's fine. Probably. Let's bring things down a bit. Sadness. From awe to sadness. Yep. Well, if we learned anything from it's the Pixar movie, Inside Out, it's that all emotions are valid, Casey. True. So, sadness. You can go first. Also, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, A Window to the Past. That one's top of my list. Oh, man. (laughs) We need to be more different to make this podcast work. (laughs) (laughs) I have others. But that one specifically is just so sad. It's sad. It's simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's just just very few instruments being used. Harry reminiscing about his parents. If only they were still here. Lupin even says it's cruel that we got to know we I knew your parents better than you did and that's cruel um and the music perfectly fits that line he's so wise (laughs) well since you took mine the next one I had is the theme from Schindler's List oh (laughs) jeez that one too huh yeah that's what that's the next on my list well what can I say that one's really sad so sad I've never I have yet to see the film but from like 18 seconds in when the violins start and you're like oh great I'm just gonna cry right here because it's so sad right Which is interesting, that quote you mentioned before about how John Williams, he saw the, a cut of the movie and he told Spielberg, this movie's way too important. I can't do this. Um, I'm not up to the challenge. And Spielberg is like, yeah, well, the others are dead. So you're the one that I've got, basically. But And he lived up to the challenge. That score oh. is so good. Hit it and out the, the, movie, park. the movie is so good. It's. I need to see it. I just know it's going to make me sad. It is not easy to watch. <laughs> it, it's, it's a hard film and you have to prepare yourself but but it's also really good and it's not i don't know it's it's really hard to watch but it's also uplifting you know it doesn't end necessarily on a depressing note it it ends in an uplifting way but um man that music is so good but harrowing and and sad just the epitome of sad did you have anything else for i have this? one more okay do you have another one i i sort of are we gonna be three for three maybe <laughs> There's a moment in Farewell from The Rise of Skywalker that is, I can't even remember what part of the movie it's in because I was just re-listening to it today, Um, but it's, you'll just have to play a clip. one that I was like this piece makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> she says as she laughs I know 
I'm not the best at being sad. I just, is that a funny thing to say? I'm <laughs> I like being sad, so watch Coco every day. No, I avoid, I know, as I'm saying, that all feelings are valid and it's totally fine to be sad, but I avoid sad movies because I don't like to dwell in it. There are some, um, yeah, there are some sad my other maybe honorable mention, I was going to say pretty much anything in AI feels really sad. The whole movie just has a sad tone, overtones and undertones throughout. And Have I score. seen AI? No, you have not. I don't think so. I've only seen it once. I like that I ask you to keep track of things like that for me. Have I seen that? Because a lot of times if I haven't seen it with you, I haven't seen it. Yeah. So. I only watched it for the first time last year. Okay. Growing up, Haley Joel Osment scared me, so it took me a long time to watch it now um i think that was a common theme what? i don't think you're the only one who was scared by him but. scared by Haley joel osmond yeah it's not his fault it's just because he was in sixth sense and i knew he was in the sixth sense as a young person right and so that association scared me so i never saw ai but that's a movie i need to see multiple times to decide how i feel i don't know how i feel about that movie it's a weird movie it's um half directed by spielberg and half by stanley kubrick because stanley kubrick died oh and so he took over or he was getting old and he told spielberg hey i can't direct this because the ideas i have are good but i don't know how to direct them well but he knew steven spielberg did so for example there's some fairly um sentimental moments to it kubrick isn't known for being super sentimental spielberg is often criticized for being too sentimental and so he was like spielberg i need you to direct this because i can't do the sentimental aspects even oh, though interesting i know it's part of the story that needs to be told Kubrick didn't feel like he was up to that challenge, which is interesting. And it's funny. So because he avoids emotion too. Maybe. Maybe like Kubrick. <laughs> a lot of people are, will watch it and be like, they try to pick out what parts are Kubrick, what parts are Spielberg. And any of the sentimental stuff, of course, people are like, well, that's Spielberg. Of course it is. And Spielberg's like, no, that was all Kubrick. So Interesting. No. Anyways, that was a tangent. Our next theme is mischief. I think John Williams does so well at mischief. He does. He's really good at when he gets playful. I love when he gets playful. And it doesn't happen super often, but when it does, it's so fun. For example, I remember watching Prisoner of Azkaban in theaters and then watching the end credits and being surprised that John Williams directed Prisoner of Azkaban because it was so different from the first two. And it was definitely more playful, especially like I'm thinking of the night bus. It starts out kind of slow, but then at 23 seconds, there's this like blaring shift mm-hmm. into this very jazzy, chaotic sound. And there's like accordions going on in there. And it's just a bunch of something, but it's so fun. And it definitely feels very mischievous. And you feel, you feel like you're on the road you feel like you're moving yes. along the road and i love that you mentioned it has that jazz jazziness to it which goes back to his roots we his think, roots we his think, dad and then his yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we hear this song we think oh this is so different from williams but for him i'm guessing it was like this is my chance to go back and do what i started out doing yes it is i don't picture john williams as a jazz musician so it's cool that he has those those roots and it just goes to show that he can do everything so for mine I picked um, a movie I have not seen, The Witches of Eastwick, Dance of the Witches. I picked that same one, I, even though I have also not seen the film. Well, why did, why did we pick this? There's a specific reason we picked this one, even though I didn't know you were going to pick it. but 
because it feels so mischievous. I know, but where did we first hear this song? Oh, at the orchestra. Uh, we saw a, let's see, it was the Phoenix Orchestra. Yeah, the Phoenix Symphony. Symphony Phoenix was doing. Symphony Orchestra, yeah. Yeah, was doing the, see, I don't know the difference between a symphony and an orchestra. I don't know, don't ask me. Uh, light, <laughs> light motifs. <laughs> But the Phoenix Symphony was doing a, a John Williams um, concert, and we went to it, yeah. and that's where we heard it. Yeah, so it wasn't. And John I remember Williams really liking that composing. Piece. It was. I don't remember. I wish I remember the name of the composer, the he was co- conductor. The he was conductor. He was so funny. Really good and um, great, and he gave like exposition between songs and stuff, and was a lot of fun. So they didn't play Jurassic Park at that, which I was really bummed about. Because that's my favorite. But, but they played some songs we hadn't heard, which was fun. Like, like Dance of the Witches from the Witches of Eastwick. You feel the mischief when you listen to that. Which that one along with... The only the other one that I picked also from Prisoner of Azkaban is you know Double Trouble, where they've got the choral the singing and they're all holding their frogs. Something about witches and mischievousness apparently go together in my mind, Casey. My other answer is Catch Me If You Can, the song Closing In. In fact, that whole that whole score is just pure mischief. Uh, I love Catch Me If You Can. I think it's underrated. And the score is, it's not typical, it's not typical Williams. Um, I'd forgotten it was Williams. Yeah, I mean, it's Spielberg, so there's Makes always sense. a good chance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Catch Me If You Can. Hearing it now in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, this is very mischievous. Because that movie is all about Frank Abagnale and he is a he's a bit of a mischievous character and the whole score fits that characterization. What else you got? Any more mischief? No more mischief, Casey. I wanted to mention Mischief Managed. Funny that we didn't pick that one. Well, you mentioned the end <laughs> credits, but you also talked about the night bus. But I want to mention Wild Signals from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's kind of a serious situation that song's playing as the humans are trying to contact the alien ships. And they're playing the five famous five notes. Do, do, do. Yeah. Do. Mm-hmm. What is it? Is that it? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're talking back and forth basically through music. And... But it gets faster and faster. Yeah, and the okay. the spaceships, the way they're playing the five notes and they're adding to it and it's very mischievous and it's very playful and at least that's our human perspective. Like, they're okay, aliens. Friends. They might be very serious about this, but um, musically it sounds very playful and I really like that. I have a fun story about that song though because I was listening as we were preparing for this episode and I had it a little bit quiet and that song, so I'll play the song in a second, um, and the song starts with the main five notes and it's higher pitched. And then the answer is very low. And It's like a tuba. And, yeah. And as I was listening to it, as we were listening, our son, he, he's like, dad, did you fart? <laughs> or no, he said, dad, say excuse me. I was like, what? 
It's like, did you fart? No. And then and then the song keeps going, and so it goes high, and then it plays the low again. Bom, bom. He's like, he's like, Dad, what was that? <laughs> concerned about my gastrointestinal <laughs> system but no it was just john williams it's just the aliens that's my favorite thing him asking you if you farted yeah. to john williams close encounters <laughs> our next theme is love yes farts and love mm-hmm. it's a perfect segue transition yeah because yep. when you really love someone you just don't care i'm gonna have to start with the reunion from warhorse is that when um, let's see, Joey's the horse, right? Joey's the horse. And I can't even remember the boys. I don't remember either. And we didn't, we watched it last year, but I don't remember. Anyways. But when you tell Joey and his owner are reunited, the reunion. And the owner's blind from shrapnel or something. I think it's right? tear gas. Because I think gas. his sight does come back, but I think That's he's like right. temporary, temporarily mm-hmm. blinded, thankfully. And they find each other. But yeah, that whole song is like, it's a little dark at times. Kind of like their journey, you know, where they were apart for a while and their story was dark. And then it just gets so very hopeful and filled with love. a pretty love song so much love so much love in war horse i like that you picked maybe a slightly different answer there both of yeah, mine neither, both of mine are not traditional love that's stories <laughs> actually one of mine's not necessarily but anyways i'm being cryptic i picked two things from star wars i was trying to not talk just about star wars and i feel like i overall i've done pretty good but here in the love category i i failed so i knew you'd bring this one up so i didn't put it on my list across the stars yes yeah so basically, you picked it, though. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was on my mind. Thing, yeah. but <laughs> Across the Stars is a masterpiece. Just just listen. Just listen to Across the Stars. It's so good. I... What can we say that compares to that? Yeah. Nothing. It It's one of those themes that surpasses the visuals and what's happening on screen and the characters and all that. The music the itself music stands is alone. And, well, I didn't want to say it that way, but you, I guess you can say it that way. <laughs> no, I think so. I think the music is better than that bit of the story. <laughs> it overshadows. It's so good, the music. Because it's so good. What other, What was your second one? My other one is Reunion of Friends from Chamber of Secrets. Oh, is that when they're running up the tables to each yes. other? Oh, yep. I love that. And you can just picture little Harry, Ron, and Hermione hugging and their cute little friendship love before they become old teenagers with hormones who mess everything up. And it's because they've been away from Hermione for too long because mm-hmm. she was She was petrified. a stone. Yeah. love man so good good friendship love Mm -hmm. see love can be about horses 
it can be about petrified classmates. Yes. It can be about um, kissing before you enter an alien arena and almost get eaten by monsters. And it can also be a sad boy with long black hair and who doesn't have a scar anymore because the girl he loves healed him and <laughs> what are you talking about? Ben Solo what do you think I'm talking about <laughs> talking about Ben Solo when he so oh you said Scott I was thinking okay I think I like Lion King or something well no no you said black, boy with black hair and a scar I'm thinking Harry Potter still and I was like oh. but heals the scar and I was like no wait now I'm lost <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Sorry, Plus, I got I weird mean, there, but he, she heals his wound. His scar, and then goes the away. scar disappears also. Yeah, but like in my mind, the wound is what. Yeah, but it's not even that moment in the story I was talking about. So I don't even think it's on the track listing. I tried to find it for the soundtrack, unless there's like a deluxe version of Rise of Skywalker that's coming. It's it's one of those. There's always musical moments that don't end up on the score that you can listen to at home. Yes. But when Ray is in the throne room with Palpatine and and Ben Solo shows up outside and it plays his theme song, but it here's here's it again, the the idea of you can take a theme and completely change things by changing the key and the instruments and his theme, which was so Imperial Marchish before, is very upbeat and energetic and happy and it's lovely. I, don't know, I think it's a testament to the love that has brought him to that point of being on the light side, which is the love of his parents, um, but also the love and friendship he feels toward Ray and toward um, just doing the right thing. And so that's why I picked that moment. Such a good moment. Yeah. Let's move on to tension, Casey. Tension. A lot of Spielberg movies have tension as well. Both of the ones I picked are Spielberg. Did we pick the same? That's I have all Spielberg as well. Most of these are Spielberg throughout. I don't have too many that aren't Spielberg, other than Star Wars. Mm, I guess I have Star Wars and I have Harry Potter. True. Okay, what's tension? What'd you got? First, I went with the the Jaws main theme. I did too. Yeah, I figured we'd have that one in common. You just can't beat the simple two notes. I think it's the most iconic two notes in music of anything. Not just movies, but just anything. can't make something iconic with two notes generally <laughs> unless you're john unless williams you're john williams heard in swimming pools around the world dunna, dunna. the other one i have is the opening to close encounters song titles opening let there be light And there's so much tension in that song. The whole movie has a lot of tension. Yeah. There's a little bit of eeriness and creepiness throughout. The other one I have on my list is High Wire Stunts from Jurassic Park, which is right when Ellie's about to turn the power back on and the kids are climbing the wire, the uh, electric fence. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of tension there, both in the music, but then, I mean, the film itself, because they keep going back and forth between them climbing the fence and her getting closer to turning the power back on. And you're like, well, which one's going to come first? Are they going to finish the fence or get the power back? And the music definitely plays with that too. The back and forth between the two scenes.
Our next category is peace and calmness. Yep. You want me to go? Sure. Um, sorry, it is Star Wars. Yoda's theme, The specifically when he's lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp. He's just so calm as he's doing it. Yoda's yes. theme has this wisdom to it, but also this calmness and peace. And it's it's my favorite Star Wars theme. That's hard. I also I love Ray's say, theme a I was lot. Waiting for you. I was like, <laughs> are you sure? What about Ray's theme? That's what I was about uh, to say. <laughs> okay, I don't know then. But I had that thought too. I didn't put it on my list, but I was like, Yoda's theme. Peaceful, but calm. You're wearing a Yoda shirt right now. Not really. It's the it's, child. It's the child. But I picked Mom Returns and Finale from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Which is like a softer, non-choral version of the main theme. Anyways, and you can just picture them hugging and being all reunited. music is so good so good that's another one that was like wait i don't know if i knew this was john williams but i had definitely at least forgotten it was john williams until i was researching yeah so in fact that's directed by chris columbus who did the first two harry potters that's right they had a relationship already they were pals or at least work proximity associates (laughs) my second one is you are the pan from hook think hook is john williams most underrated score the score for hook is so good um i love that score so much and you are the pan man that song has a lot of calmness The other one that I picked was A Tree for My Bed from Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Which is the same. It's like we were talking about how if you change the key and use different instruments, it's the, this is the one I was going to talk about because it's very, sounds like a music box version of the main theme. Um, so it just goes from being a song of grandeur and awe to one of peace and calm. lullaby in a treehouse all right our uh, our penultimate theme here war or battle i think we have at least one of the same here i don't think we do you didn't put duel of fates i did not oh it's like the most warlike song <laughs> i could think of It's just so grand and they're fighting and it's just a war song, man. It's great. But I picked Anakin versus Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith, which Mm. has, I personally, it 
feels more emotional to me than Duel of the Fates. Um, there's some of the same choral type of stuff going on, but yeah, Anakin versus Obi Wan. I I think Revenge of the Sith. The score itself is so good. Again, I don't really necessarily always have the words to say why these things work for me, but so I'm just saying like, oh, this is my favorite. This is underrated and I can't really explain why, but Revenge of the Sith is underrated musically and it's so good and I don't know why. Which the first three, first three, the uh, prequels, one, two, and three tend to be looked down upon by a, a great amount of the Star Wars fandom, but be that as it may, John Williams scores are not a problem with those movies. They're so good still. Not even in the least. No matter what you think about them. Yeah. (laughs) The scores themselves are so good. Okay, I picked two other ones, but they have a similar sound. Okay. Um, So I went with The Charge and Capture from Warhorse, that one, and then um, Him to the Fallen from Saving Private Ryan. And they're both from war movies, but I was thinking about it, I was like, well, they sound like war movies to me. Like, okay, so for The Charge and Capture, it just sounds like... World War One, World War Two music. Like you've got trumpets, but they're like softer. And it just sounds as though Captain America is going to show up at any moment. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like. Or Wonder like. Woman. Or Wonder Woman, yeah. Which, again, World War II themes. And then and from Saving Private well, Ryan. War Horse is World War One, isn't it? It is. That one's okay. World War One. Yeah. Uh, but then Saving Private Ryan. I don't even know what war. It's World the, War II. Yeah. World War II, that's what I thought. Because it's like the Omaha Beach stuff. Yes. Which is another one I've never seen. But the very beginning has like the snare drums going and it just sounds like a war, like marching off to war with the snare drums, but they're soft. And the rest of the song feels very much like a war tribute. Um, so I think I was thinking about, I was like, the taking of the the bold instruments like trumpets and drums and then softening them feels very much like war music to Mm -hmm. me or maybe they feel like war music to me because john williams created that (laughs) image of war music in my mind i don't know know. i'm sure he was inspired by his air force band days right Mm -hmm. he has another way that he's going back to his his past my other war song that i chose was cadillac of the skies from empire of the sun empire of the sun's really good it's with little baby christian bale not really baby he's like 10 but he's so little uh that movie's fantastic all about um this boy who romanticizes war and then has to face the music so to speak face the the realities of it as it impacts his family and uh cadillac of the skies is if i remember right is the moment where he's He's romanticizing war and imagining it as a as a positive sort of thing. Uh, 
Uh, the music there is really beautiful, though. Which war is that set up? Uh, World War Two. World War Two. Mm-hmm. It's another one I haven't seen. It's a good one. That makes sense because I mean, propaganda-wise, <laughs> America was great at saying we're we're here to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, he's like in a British family, but his family is very um, wealthy. But the war even affects them, oh, and yeah. he is separated from them and is on this journey to to find them again basically but that makes sense he's a british family Mm -hmm. christian bale is british that's something i regularly forget i forget every day that christian bale is british because i mean he's batman and he's because he's chameleonic he does everything jack kelly but he's (laughs) right (laughs) all right our last theme is the theme of flight which this theme is what started this idea for the episode was when you and i were at that orchestra celebration of john williams um, the the conductor talked about how flight was a, such a common theme in John Williams's music, and so we wanted to uh, tribute that here. So, what what do you think of when you think of flight in John Williams? I think we have one of the same, mm-hmm. but I'll let you say it. Flying from ET. Well, it's called Escape, Chase, and Saying Sometimes Goodbye. It has different names, okay. but yeah, same. The ET right. theme song, basically. Basically, it's mm-hmm. when they're on the bikes and they're flying off. They go on the moon, yeah. and it's just. It's just, Not on the moon. I, I said did. on the moon. But they they flew all the way on to the moon. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're silhouetted by the moon. Yeah. And it's just flying music. It's so good. It's like... Here's the thing about flying music. I feel like all John Williams music makes me feel like I'm flying. <laughs> and you laugh, but I don't mean that jokingly. Like I legitimately no. feel like all of his music has a sense of flight to it. I think that's why yeah, it's so impactful. And how would you describe it? What's a sense of like a, there's this lightness to it or. There's an uplift. An and uplift. A, it's um, a joyful notes. I yeah. don't know how to describe it, but it's there. Yeah. But even even his music that's more somber, I still feel a sense of like movement and flight to it. I don't. I think that I think that's what makes John Williams resonate on a on a level that's difficult to describe or maybe a little abstract. But I think that yeah, I think there's a sense of flying to all of his music. But I think E.T. is the best the the best encapsulation of of that. Probably number one. This is reality, Greg. <laughs> but I have two runner runners up. Okay. One holiday flight from Home Alone, which is just the busy feeling of the holiday season and then like rushing to get everything ready and leave the house and anyways that almost sounded like the witch's theme yeah. from wizard of oz that was a bad rendition guys <laughs> i lost it like i said i'm not very musical just funny because i love to sing but i do not claim to be good at it by any means so that one the holiday flight from home alone One that I love is the Superman theme. And I haven't seen Superman since I was a kid, and we should watch it sometime. But that mu- that theme is so good, and I love it. And yeah, it gives you a sense of flight and taking off. You will believe a man can fly, as the posters said. <laughs> but it's it's slightly cheesy, but it 
it, you do because you hear the music. Because so John Williams it. makes you believe a man yeah. can fly. I think that even if the, the special effects, maybe they feel a little bit dated, but the music, you believe he's flying because of that music. I'm just thinking there's got to be a song about flying and hook. There is. That's my next one. Mm. Yeah. My, or my other one, my last one is Flight to Neverland. So good. Again, hook. Just go listen to the whole score. It's so good. It's one I didn't really listen to while I was doing all my research. I'm going to have to go back and listen again. That's okay. It means we didn't step on each other's toes this time. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that I had is The Flying Car from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That Ford Anglia flying on its way to Hogwarts has some great music. I love it. So good. I love talking about John Williams, even though I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah, we don't have the right vocab- vocabulary to do him justice, but we can gush about all the things that we love. So even though we don't have the vocabulary, what do you think makes sets John Williams' music apart? Like, why is he so iconic and so beloved and has won so many awards? From a casual perspective, why do you think that is? A few of the things that we've talked about, for example, the themes. I think the themes really just get caught in your head and you cannot forget John Williams themes, whether it's musical themes or like for, we were talking about Star Wars, all the individual themes for characters and and places and the force. <laughs> um, he has a theme for everything. So I think those, and and then just the, the grandness. I mean, an orchestra, a symphony is always going to feel very grand, but something about his music style is just extra grand yeah (laughs) i don't know how to describe it for me in addition to what i mentioned about i feel like i'm flying whenever i listen to him um stories are an emotional thing and obviously music is emotional and should tap into that and i think that john williams is the best at tapping into the emotion of what's happening visually he gets i think he and spielberg are such good friends not just because they keep working together but i think they keep working together because john williams understand Spielberg's emotions and the emotion he's trying to convey to the audience and I think that the, it just works yes listening to all of the soundtracks I listened to in preparation made me want to go watch all the movies mm-hmm. because he does such a fantastic job of them working together all right Valerie let's close out the episode do you have any media recommendations for us I can think of nothing at the moment okay that's okay I want to recommend two things the first thing is the a graduation speech at Howard that Chadwick Boseman gave. Yes, um, I saw that. Please go watch and, and listen to that. And it won't be hard to take it to heart because he's such a good speaker, but also... It's so um, hopeful. Yeah, what he's saying about purpose and finding your purpose is just so beautiful. And I'm going to miss him. And this just that that speech is fantastic. So go go watch it. The other recommendation is... And both of mine are nonfiction this week. So not really sorry but just just an fyi um the other one is how to be an anti-racist by ibram x kendi i just think that we all of us and i'm i'm talking about myself as a white person and valerie as a white person and i know a lot of our listeners are are white and a lot of our friends who listen and family who listen are white and i think we need to not stop learning not let things slow down and let anti-racism be a trend and we need to keep learning and keep reading please 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 keep reading and 
and keep listening, um, but also keep acting. And I do think that learning and listening are an act, but we can always take what we're learning and, and apply it. And it's not it's not easy. Um, I think that the one of the biggest things that we can do is have those hard conversations with people. And uh, Valerie and I can attest those do not do not go well um, very often. And <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> they are hard and they but they have to happen. And please. Yeah. So please talk to your family and and friends that maybe aren't so doing so great at listening. Maybe we can all open open our ears a little bit better and and open our hearts and connect on an empathy you know, on an empathetic level with, with people who have been mar- marginalized. And, I don't know if you have, and what, what do you have to add to that? Well, that just reminded me, I do have a media recommendation. A little cheating because I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm really excited to. Jamila Jamil, uh, who you might know from The Good Place. She has a podcast called I Weigh, and she just this week had Rachel Cargill on. Oh, yeah. So between the two of them, I am beyond excited to listen to it. They are my... Yeah. Two of my favorite voices in the fight for feminism and anti-racism and all of the above. Yeah. And we feel, you know, you and I, Valerie, we have a platform and we want to use it to, um, we just want to be honest. And, and if that, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but just, I guess what I'm, what I want to say is that if wherever you are, whatever your arena of life is, find where you can help in that arena. You know, if, um, like for me, I work in education and so I'm committing myself now to to learn more about how racism functions in schools and i'm i'm brand new to the school system and so really it's a perfect time for me to jump right in and learn and recognize and listen and see where it's affecting it but that's my that's my arena i'm in education so wherever you are dear listener um if you're privileged in any way look in that arena of life and find ways that you can help help people that do not have that same privilege Uh, i've had that same thought as i as i teach our children at home like I have control over their education, what am I going to be teaching them? Yeah. And we don't, we don't bring this up to, we're not trying to like be self-righteous about this because you and I, oh, we're we not are good learning. at this and it's <laughs> um, something that we're, we're just trying to do better. And, um, and we fail a lot in our conversations we, with other people. Yeah. As we mentioned, trying. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is, is trying is, you know, you can get stuck in that of, Oh, I'm just trying or, I had good intentions, but it's all about impact. And so the only way we're going to have a good impact is to keep improving and keep keep getting better at it and to forget forget ourselves. And that's not easy. Again, that's not easy. But anyways, please do your best and please vote. Please, please, please vote. Please register to vote and then please vote. Amen to that. We'll just transition to the end of the episode here. We have some homework for our next episode. These sound like three very different things. And so I'm excited to for what people are like, what? Why are they? <laughs> Maybe you can figure out the theme. Maybe, yeah. Our listeners are smart. They can figure this They'll out. They'll figure it out. Galaxy Quest. So watch Galaxy Quest. Watch Three Amigos. And watch A Bug's Life. Not the cartoon Three Amigos. That's like Three Caballeros or whatever. Is it? Yeah. Okay. No, Three Amigos with... With like parrots? Steve Martin. Thinking and the same thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, Steve Martin's not a parrot, but yeah. <laughs> Three Amigos has Steve Martin and Martin Short. Good movie. Movies, we haven't watched life. in a while. Pixels I'm excited to watch these. So watch those. Two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about something with those three. So <laughs> We want to say thank you to our new patron, Dana. Hi, Dana. Hello. Thank you. We love our patrons so much. I, we say that, but it seriously, love, love, love our patrons. And we have so much fun talking to them on the Discord, which you can get access to for only $3 a month. But we really recommend 
our $7 tier where you can become a swashbuckler of elsewhere and get our bonus beep episodes, which come out every other Friday. Yeah. So if you become a swashbuckler, you get hello from elsewhere every week. And when you join, you would get all a backlog of all of our previous bonus beep episodes. Exactly. That's a lot of hello from elsewhere to listen to. Yeah. So just head to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere and check out the tiers. If you head to wbne.org, which is our, our network website, on the top corner, there's a little spot for super shout outs. If you want to give a shout out on the show to someone or to maybe yourself, shout out yourself. Or maybe you want to say like, hey, hey, grandma, I know you love Hello from Elsewhere because it really caters to the old crowd. Just, <laughs> um, I love you, grandma, and thank you for all you do. You can say that. If you want to ask. You um, would, we would say it for you. Yeah, we would say it for you, for your yes. grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we do cater toward that septuagenarian crowd. Yeah, we've talked about this. I know we've talked about it. We have to keep saying it because they'll forget. Okay. So. <laughs> Also, be sure to tell a friend about Hello from Elsewhere. That's the best way to spread spread the news. You're like, hey, you love John Williams? Do I have the podcast episode for you? You're the world's biggest Hook fan, but no one seems to understand. Casey understands. Listen to Hello from Elsewhere. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Elsewhere underscore pod. Our cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can find his graphics on Instagram at graphite.vmb check him out he's so good and fantastic and so just easy to work with and he just did a, a tribute to chadwick boseman i don't know if you did yes you see that? i did see so it it's great good and brought up all the same feelings hello from elsewhere is a proud member of wbne visit wbne.org for more fabulous podcasts like bagels bagels Hello, and welcome to Bagels. I'm Emily Carlin. And I'm Tyler Carlin. And welcome to our crazy, chaotic, and loving life. It is so much fun, and Bagels is an opportunity for us to just talk about love, relationships, and sometimes we get a little deep, and sometimes... We get really silly. We get really silly. So if Uh, this sounds like the kind of thing you'd be into, check Bagels out wherever you get your podcasts, and on Spotify, or WBNE.org. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. We love Tyler and Emily. They're They're so so fun. So cool. I love their podcast. I listen to it all the time because I just like to hear their voices. Makes me happy. Well, they're going to start recording the score for Star Wars here in 1977. So Mm -hmm. we better get out because I think John Williams is really creeped out about all the things we said about him. So... (laughs) He's like, who are these two weird podcasters with their mics in the corner? Talking about all these movies that I scored that I haven't scored. Yes. Because it's 1977. (laughs) We're from the future, John. Happy beeps. Happy beeps.